Chapter Sixteen of Tell Us Another by Winfred Hurst, S.D.S. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Where there's a will, there's a way. Outside, nature was all aglow with the soft life of beautiful May. Amid the sweet blossoms of a nearby apple tree, a finch was reveling, filling the air with its cheery melodies. The schoolroom windows were wide open, and the sun-laden breezes, bearing along with them the songs of the bird in the apple tree, stole in and gently kissed the rosy cheeks and the yielding hair of the many little students who were sitting so quiet and still at their desks, listening respectfully to the parish priest as he gave them fatherly admonitions and holy instructions. It was the week after Whitsuntide and the first hour in Christian doctrine for those who had received First Holy Communion during that time of singular graces. Serious words that went home to the heart did the priest address to the little group, admonishing them to be ever faithful little soldiers of Christ. Then, turning to the whole school, he gave the command for which many a one had been impatiently waiting. The First Holy Communion class for next year will please arise. And arise they did, with a will, and with a certain feeling of responsibility, too, for well they knew that from now on sharp eyes would be watching their conduct everywhere. The priests gave them their places to gather in a conspicuous part of the room. Twelve boys there were, and fourteen girls. Their faces reflected the joy of their hearts, but Frank Steffer was the happiest of them all. Frank was a very poor lad. His father had been schoolmaster in a neighboring village, and had died young while Frank was still in the cradle. From that day on his mother had to work day and night to keep the wolf from the door. Often they were in bitter want. The art of doing without things was, accordingly, one of the boy's earliest lessons. But it was not the only one. He learned to pray also. Despite the many hardships, however, the good mother managed to find scores of ways in which to make her darling boy happy. Many a piece of furniture had to be disposed of in the course of time to make ends meet, but no matter how hard-pressed, Mrs. Steffer never sold her husband's books. No, she read them again and again, and communicated as much of their contents to her son as he was able to grasp. And Frank was a bright lad. His sweet little mother and his father's books were the dearest things he had on earth. And now he belonged to the first communicants of the coming year. The thought filled him with joy and pride so great that he could hear his heart thump and throb in exultation. Immediately after the close of school, Frank hastened home. With a shout of joy, he burst into the room where his mother was working. Everything was quickly told her with all the volubility and frankness of childhood. How happy mother was, and how gladly she assented to everything. And yet, as soon as Frank had left her and was again playing with his friends, she could not but sigh deeply. From the boy's talk she had noticed once again that nothing was nearer to his heart than the desire to study for the holy priesthood, to become a missionary. To become a missionary! How in the world did Frank ever get such an idea? Well, anyhow, he got it. He was intensely interested in the missions. He knew their geography as well as he did that of his own country and there was nothing that he would not have denied himself sooner than not give his regular donation to the holy childhood. He was all heart for the poor heathen babes. He wanted to lead each and every one of his colored brothers and sisters to the feet of the dear divine Savior. 
but now his mother knew that with all her care her almost scrupulous sparing and saving she could not afford to let her boy study much as she would have liked to do so hence that deep sigh of course the lively little barefooted boy did not let the thought of obstacles in the way distress him in the least indeed what does a lad for whom no ditch is too broad no tree too high know about the impossible and yet it would surely hurt him when he finally realized that the life of a missionary was not to be the life for him when finally he would have to choose some calling that demanded a lesser outlay and promised quicker returns so that evening mrs steffer spoke about the matter seriously to frank she told him that the trade of a carpenter was one that brought good returns that it was respectable and would help much to support them both and that a distant relative had promised to take him as an apprentice free of all charge the boy listened without a word not wishing to hurt his mother's feelings but afterwards when he was in bed hot tears gushed from his eyes and his heart ached as never before suddenly he thought of his first communion what was it the pastor had said to them my children he had said you must now show what stuff you are made of it is up to you to give proof of your good will the divine saviour wants a warm zealous heart no timid half-heartedness sacrifice is what he wants not careless take it easy sacrifice well if he would no longer speak about his heart's desire if he would act as though he had never thought of it and at the same time learn the carpenter's trade surely that would be a sacrifice and a great one at that but he would he must make it that same evening frank steffer promised his god that he would make that heroic sacrifice but how about the poor heathens was he then going to desert them could he do nothing more for them than give his tiny contribution to the holy childhood oh if he could only buy a heathen babe of course it would have to be brought up a christian yes he had to save one at least one but how he did not know suddenly a plan came to him rising hastily and throwing a few wraps around him he took a stubby candle and cautiously crept down the stairs to the cellar then he made a light and looked over the pile of rags and bones that was in the corner there it was his only treasure strange he had thought there were more he was somewhat disappointed how much were they worth he wondered thoughtfully he began to ascend to his room but the cellar door creaked and the stairs groaned and then his mother called quickly the obedient boy slipped into her room and knelt beside the bed mamma he said simply i have a great plan i am going to collect old rags and bones until from the sale of them i get enough money to buy a heathen baby and this i want to do before my first holy communion and mamma dear after that i'll begin to learn to be a carpenter the mother understood her boy she knew that he had made an heroic sacrifice she understood and gently brushed back the hair from his brow and kissed him lovingly frank returned to his room but for a long time he could not sleep he was planning and in fancy he beheld the precious pile down in the cellar growing ever bigger and bigger Frank Steffer was one of the most diligent of lads when it came to studying. In his class he was always in the lead. In catechism he was remarkable, 
never without the right answer at the right time. So it need not be said that he now became a diligent collector also. He was ever finding rags and bones and such like things in the oddest of places, here and there and everywhere. Even the dogs had to look out for their bones when he was around. Sometimes some of his comrades helped him to collect, but for the most part he was alone. But the neighbors began to be sparing. They no longer threw away old rags and bones as formerly, but saved them for Mrs. Steffer's boy. Of course, business was anything but excellent, and it was only pennies that Frank was able to put into his little bank. But the pennies grew to dimes, and the dimes slowly, oh, so slowly, grew to dollars. And now Whitsuntide drew nearer and nearer. Frank's mother had already prepared everything for this great day of his. Of course, it cost her such careful saving and not a little labor, but finally everything was at hand. Not too expensive, indeed, but neat and clean and quite sufficient. Frank had studied diligently. He had taken the matter of his first Holy Communion very seriously and was well prepared. Only one thing was wanting, and that he was in high hopes still to get, a heathen babe. He had promised Jesus that he would buy one before his first Holy Communion. That promise he must keep. As Whitsuntide drew nearer and nearer, he became more diligent than ever. On the day before Maundy Thursday, he dashed across the street. He was rarely seen on the streets now, to the Sunset View Hotel. The proprietor's son was a special friend of his, and kept for him all such things as wrappage, paper boxes, tinfoil. It was not long before he emerged with a heavy bundle upon his back, but Frank was proud of his burden, and hastened away to Marx's, his dealer, to see how much it would bring him. With great ceremony, old Marx found and adjusted his huge spectacles, and cautiously stirred up the little balls of tinfoil, and finally weighed the whole carefully. Twenty-four cents, he said with solemnity. I would hardly give that much to anyone else, but you are a good, diligent boy, and you shall have it. Frank's first impulse was to jump over the shaky old counter for very joy, but he refrained, inasmuch as that would have been a dangerous experiment, that same counter being so full of trash, old junk, and what not. So he did the next best thing. He eagerly held out his hand, received the money, and with a few bounds was out on the street and away. Well, a joyous race homeward was not that. With a cry, I have it, mother, I have it, he burst into the room. Quickly he poured the whole contents of the bank into his mother's lap, in order that she might help him count. And sure enough, he had known the sum by heart. There were five dollars and three cents. So much money had not been together in that room for many a day. It was badly needed at home, to tell the truth, but the good mother thought as little of keeping it as did her noble boy. She placed the five dollars in an envelope, while Frank washed his hands and face and tidied up a bit. Then he hurried off to the priest's house. The good old priest was not a little surprised when the boy entered his study and explained the purpose of his visit. A regular crossfire of questions and answers followed. Frank openly told the priest of the whole affair. Soon the latter knew of everything, of the poverty at home, of the mother's anxiety, of the desire of the boy's heart. With the words, 
Well, well, now, there is no particular hurry about the carpenter business. We'll discuss that matter after Whitsuntide. He dismissed the lad. Of all Frank's happy days, one not long after Whitsuntide was the happiest. The divine Saviour had received his present of a heathen babe, and had given himself to Frank in return. Oh, he was so happy. Of course, there were no visits to his little home, neither were there any gifts. But mother and son were strangely, sweetly happy in the love of Jesus, and in their own, for each other, and for Christ's poorest poor. It was evening, and they were sitting quietly in the twilight of their modest little room, when suddenly a knock was heard at the door. And who should enter the room but the parish priest? For fully half an hour he conversed earnestly with the mother and the happy first communicant. And after he had left, the big boy arose, threw his arms about Mama's neck, and wept like a baby. Why, he was going to study for the priesthood. The good parish priest had said it. He would see to everything. He would provide. Frank was to go to him for his first Latin class the very next day. Oh, the dear, good pastor! And what kind words he had said. We need big-hearted, warm-hearted men over there in the mission field, men who are not afraid of sacrifices and who know how to overcome difficulties. You'll do, my boy, for where there's a will, there's a way. End of chapter 16